This audio is brought to you by muslimcentral.com. My brothers and sisters, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa salatu wa salamu ala nabina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Today insha'Allah I'll be talking to you about the realities of the hereafter, the day of judgment as described in very eloquent and summarized deep words in Surah Al-Zalzalah. I'm going to uh, unpack the verses of Surah Al-Zalzalah without going through verse by verse, just unpack it and tell you the journey of the Day of Judgment, the hereafter, and the order by which it will all happen in accordance with Surah Al-Zalzalah. My brothers and sisters, I have a long series which you'll find on YouTube. It's called The End Series. It's a very popular one, goes for about 30 lectures. And I speak in more detail about the hereafter in that one if you do want more information. Today we only have about 40 minutes. So I'm going to mention the main parts of the Day of Judgment with a little bit of detail where it's needed, inshallah ta'ala. And what a beautiful topic it is for Ramadan. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it from all of us and save us from the frightening moments and terror of the hereafter and make us among those whom the angels will grab and tell them, do not feel afraid for today is your day. Amen. My brothers and sisters, let us begin from the beginning. I will start with the second blowing of the trumpet. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran that there are two trump two blowings of the trumpet as you know. The first blowing of the trumpet will happen when the world ends and everything dies on earth and the angels in the heavens most of them die. Jibreel alayhi salam will die. Mikail and even Malakul Maut the angel of death and after him even Israfil. By the way, that last word or that last sound, Il, Israfil, Jibril, Mikail, this means Allah. Il means Allah, which means the servants of Allah, the blessed ones of Allah. All of them will die from the first blowing of the trumpet by the angel Israfil. Israfil alayhi salam has only one duty, and that is from the moment he was created. Until the trumpet is to be blown, Rasulullah said he's got his mouth, his lips on the horn. It's basically a big horn, only Allah knows what it looks like. It's hollow. And when he blows into that horn, the sound is nothing like anything in this entire universe. It is the sound which makes everything die, including the angels of the heavens. And it alters and reshapes the entire universe and the earth so that they do not ever look the same ever again. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes the people die. As Allah said in Surah Al-Rahman, Everything on it will die, will go, fanning, as if it never existed. And the only one that will be left is your Lord Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, 
ثم نفخ فيه أخرى فإذا هم قيام ينظرون And then the trumpet will be blown into a second time. Allah recreates Israfil alayhi salam. And Israfil waits. Rasulullah describes exactly how Israfil has got his lips on the horn and his state. From that day, 1400 years ago, he said, Israfil, he said, how can I rest when Israfil has got his mouth on the horn and he's got one ear pointing upwards and the other ear downwards, waiting like a person who is trying to listen very carefully with no distractions waiting for this for for the first command from Allah to say blow into the trumpet then he blows a second time Allah says everything comes back to life so my dear brothers and sisters the first thing that happens on the day of judgment is what we call al-ba'th everything comes out of the earth the people that died from the time of Adam until the end of time till the end of this earth including the jinns from the beginning of their creation to the end of them, including the animals from the first creature to the last of them, will all rise again after death. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us an example of life after death, how things will come back to life. He tells us, Look at an earth that is absolutely dry. Nothing can grow out of. Do you not see that in life? We heard about it. We see it on, on, on around us. We learn about it when land is dry after it had water. And many years will pass by it until Allah says, and suddenly, when we send rain upon it, you'll find the earth begins to shiver with life and crops and trees and life begins to develop out of that earth, including creatures. Just like that, Allah says that you see before your eyes, it is easy for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to raise you, the human being, back to life. And the other argument Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us as evidence, He says, were you nothing before this and suddenly you became something? Isn't it easy for Allah who brought you from nothing to bring you again from something? And truly, it is not hard for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. My dear brothers and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raises the people. And what happens? Rasulullah said, the earth eats away the body of the human being. And the only thing the earth does not eat away is the Cossack's bone. It's a tiny bone at the bottom of your vertebra. This is the only tiny bone. It's very small, only about two or three centimeters wide or so. The earth does not eat it away in normal natural circumstances. You might ask, what about those who were burnt into ashes? We say that's a special circumstance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings it back. And there is a hadith in Sahih Bukhari about a man who did not want to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he did terrible sins in his life. So on his deathbed, he called his children and said, when I die, burn my body and get my ashes and separate them. Each one of you go to different parts of the earth, the mountains, the oceans, the rivers, the lakes, and blow parts of my ashes away, for I fear that Allah, if He brings me back, He will torture me a punishment like no other people before. And so they did so. And then Allah ordered the earth, the mountains, the seas, the oceans, the rivers, the lakes, to bring all His ashes together, and He recreated Him in a world of barzakh. 
and he says to him, why did you do that? And he says, Ya Rabbi, I feared your punishment. And Allah says, it's okay. I have forgiven you because you died with your iman and repentance for regret is repentance. And Rasulullah said, it will happen for nobody after him. If people try to trick Allah to say, I will burn myself and the same thing will happen. No. But the point that I want from that is even if people are burnt to ashes and you don't have that bone left, Allah recreates you. My dear brothers and sisters, the way that people will be raised on the day of judgment is as follows. The first one that will come out of his grave is the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, I will, be, I will be the first one the earth will uncover and I will be on top of the earth and before me I will see my brother Musa alayhi salam and he is holding on to the base and the pillars of Allah's throne. You might ask, how is Allah's throne there? The judgment hasn't begun yet. You see, brothers and sisters, the day of judgment will begin like that. Rasulullah described it exactly how it will look. And he said, the earth will be like a perfectly uh, flat white plain, like the white plain of bread or like raw bread. Maybe it's not actually white, but it is flat and very. And he said the, the, a bread that has been baked beautifully. The entire earth is flat. There are no hills. There are no trees. There will be no valleys. There will be no lakes. Even the oceans, Allah says, it will be sujirat, which means that the, the oceans shall, be, shall turn into heat, all of it. And when the oceans turn into heat, it means that it boils. And over time, when water boils, what happens to it? It dries out. There are no oceans because they have boiled away. And there are no hills. Allah says, the, the mountains shall be made dakka. The entire earth shall be flattened until everything is flat. What else is there? The sky above you is not like the sky you see today. Allah says, This earth shall be transformed from the earth that you know the, as you see it now. And the sky shall be transformed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, that Rasul said, then I find Allah's arsh, his throne. We cannot describe it. It'll be displayed and ready. I want you to imagine a very simple, simple example in life. If a person has to go to court to be judged and sentenced, then the first thing that happens is that people enter, the lawyers enter, the registers enter, you enter. And the first thing you see is that the judge's table is ready, but the judge is not there. So, Imagine that in this life. So the first thing you will see on the day of judgment is that Allah's throne is ready and displayed. There's no one, just the plain earth and the throne ready. And he says, I see my brother Musa holding on to the base of the throne. I do not know whether he had died before me or not. In other words, he doesn't know whether when Musa salam, asked Allah to see him, if you know in the story in the Quran, Rabbi arini anzur ilayk, he says, Oh my Lord, let me look at you. He says, Lan tarani, you cannot see me. But look at that mountain. If it stays where it is, you will see me. And when he saw the mountain crumble to pieces, when Allah revealed a tiny speck of a speck of his light, we don't know actually. Rasulullah doesn't know whether Musa salam, at that moment, whether he went unconscious and was still alive or whether he actually died and Allah brought him back to life. So in this circumstance, he says, 
the earth will split from above my head first and I will find my brother Musa at the throne. I don't know whether he had died before and Allah saved him this time or whether Allah had brought him from the earth before me. The point is, my dear brothers and sisters, this is how Rasulullah will be risen and Musa will be there. After the Prophet the ones who were closest to him in actions and in closeness and Iman will be risen. And then after them, according to the people's importance. Rasulullah said to his wife Aisha radiallahu anha one night, يُحْشَرُ النَّاسُ يَا عَائِشَةِ يُحْشَرُ النَّاسُ حُفَاةً Everyone shall be raised on the day of judgment barefooted, naked, and also they are uncircumcised. Do you know what that means? Uncircumcised? It means that every single body part is returned back until you are in a perfect form. That little piece of skin is returned. Everything is returned, meaning everything will bear witness. As you were created, but this time in the way that you should have been created in a perfect form. You might ask, what about a person who, for example, had a disease in their body and had to amputate their leg or amputate their arm, or they were born with the deformities? This now brings us the answer that you will return in the perfect form. No deformities. Even the person who was created disabled is created in a healthy form. The person who was created insane, that day his brain will be perfect. In fact, not only will you be perfect in your form, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says your eyesight, your, your hearing, your mind, everything about you is super multiplied. Allah says in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Qaf, لَقَدْ كُنْتَ فِي غَفْلَةٍ مِّنْ هَذَا فَكَشَفْنَا عَنْكَ غِطَاءَكَ فَبَصَرُكَ الْيَوْمَ حَدِيدٌ Before this day, before the day of judgment, Allah says, you were blind and you had a cover in front of your eyes. You could not see the hereafter. But today, we have taken that cover away from your eyes and your eyesight is sharp. You can see everything. That's it, brothers and sisters. The exam is over. And now comes the answers behind the questions that were in your exam, behind the tests that you went through. No more exam. What's the point of hiding things? Everything is revealed. Even the disbeliever sees it all. But why did they see it? To know that there was no doubt and so that everything cannot be argued against. My brothers and sisters, then what happens? We stay standing for a long time. And among the first things that the people do, Muslims and non-Muslims, everything, as people are being raised from the ground, we begin to talk. How do we talk? Allah subhanahu wa says in the Quran that people talk to each other in whispers. They look at the earth, they look at the sky, and they notice that everything has changed. And they wonder to themselves, how long were we under the ground? You know, brothers and sisters, a person who dies, they actually don't know how long they've been underground. They don't know time and space. They don't know. Did you not hear about the man in Surah Yasin where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made him die and his donkey and he made him die for a hundred years and when he was raised, the angel says to him, how long were you dead? I was gone for a day or part of a day. You were dead for a hundred years. The people who are dead, all of us, we don't know how much time has passed. 
we only see it like a, a split second or a minute. That's why they talk to each other and they say, كَمْ لَبِثْتُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ عَدَدَ سِنِينَ If one person says, how long were we underground? There's people talking to each other. قَالَ إِلَّا بِثْنَا إِلَّا يَوْمًا أَوْ بَعْضَ يَوْمٍ We only were there for a day or part of a day. فَاسْأَلُوا الْعَادِّينَ Ask other people who are more closer to God. Because you see, when you're in your grave, you get to see the Barzakh world and you know some things. You are anticipating, you're looking forward or you're looking backwards to this day. You know the truth of what is to come, but you don't know its details. People look at this life and they say, Oh my God, the entire earth and universe has changed. How long were we away for? They don't know. Until they realize that it's been thousands and thousands of years for some people, hundreds of years. The entire earth has changed. The universe has changed. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Rasul sallallahu tells us the people get anxious. The sun is brought close. Rasulullah said, as Ibn Abbas says from this hadith, the sun will look like as if it is only like a toothpick of a distance away from us or a mile away from us. We don't know if the sun literally is that close. It'll burn everything. But to us, the sun will be close so that it looks like it's just above our heads. The entire sun, you can see it just above your head. Allah knows what that image would look like, but my guess is the sun is not the same size because Allah says, And when the sun will become a dwarf star, very small, and loses a lot of its heat and its light. Allahu A'lam, my guess would be something like a dwarf white star or something like that. Its heat is just enough to make people sweat and non-stop sweating. There'll be no clouds, there'll be no shade. And the shade will only be for seven types of people and Allah will shade them. My brothers and sisters, when we stay there for that long, the believers, they get anxious. The disbelievers, they get anxious. Everybody gets anxious. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa calls out to Allah and says, My Lord, my nation is thirsty. And all the prophets say, Oh my Lord, on behalf of their own nations, my ummah is thirsty. And so Allah will bring the Hawd. Hawd is a fountain with a beautiful lake and a, a lake or a river. It is called Al-Kawthar. Allah says to the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu We have given you the Kawthar. A'taynaka means no one will take it away from you. And the first thing that will be brought is the river of Kawthar for the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu and then the prophets, the other prophets, they get their little tiny fountains after Muhammad So what does this mean? It means that the Ummah of Muhammad will be the first ones to be judged before anyone else so that they don't have to stay there for long. And this is the blessing and the gift that Allah gave the Ummah of Muhammad As the Prophet said in Sahih Muslim, the first nation that will be judged quickly on the Day of Judgment will be my Ummah. And that is because I hid my dua and kept it for the day of judgment while every other prophet used up their special dua that were given. And I made mine for the hereafter on the day when I will say, Ya Rabbi Allahumma Ummati Ummati. In fact, before the Hawd, the river is brought to the Prophet Sallallahu or the, the lake uh, or the stream uh, of water is brought to the Prophet Sallallahu Allah says to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi only the Prophet Sallallahu could hear him. He says, Ya Rasulullah, Ya Muhammad, my servant, today is your day and mine. I have split it between you and me. 
For you is the shafa'ah. For you is the ultimate intercession. A special intercession no one else will have. And for me is my mercy. I will give it to your ummah. That's how much Rasulullah is worthy and loved by us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sallallahu alayka ya Rasulullah. He said day of judgment will begin. He said the world will end on a Friday and day of judgment will begin also on a Friday. This is Allah's day. They said, what should we say, Ya Rasulullah? He said, make salat upon me on Fridays as often as you can. For on a day of judgment, I will call you one by one or groups by groups, all of you to come and drink from my fountain. My promise and my meeting is with you on the fountain. They said, how will you know us, Ya Rasulullah? How will you know the other people if you've never seen them? He said, I will know them from the light that will emanate from their faces, their arms and their legs because of the wudu and the salat which they used to do. My question, my brothers and sisters, if you don't pray, how will the Prophet ﷺ recognize you? With which light, if you never prayed or don't make wudu? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us among those whose salat is in their hearts and around them. Number three, my dear brothers and sisters, is the shafa'ah. After people have waited such a long time standing, not knowing what's going to happen, then they drink from the fountain and the Ummah of the Prophet and, and the rest of the nations of the Prophets will drink and so they won't feel thirsty except for the disbelievers for they did not follow the Sunnah of the Prophet nor did they follow their Prophets. Some Prophets will come with nobody with them at all and the greatest nations will be Muhammad and second after him is Musa Subhanallah. Then the believers and the disbelievers but especially the believers they want the judgment to begin for they become tired, we become thirsty. Some people sweat up to their ankles, others they sweat up to their knees, others up to their shoulders, and others it reaches their lips and they're unable to talk. Each person, depending on how many sins they've accumulated in this life. This is the first sign. But the great fear and terror has not come yet. Right now, it's just guesswork. Everybody's talking to each other, whispering. Allah describes how people talk to each other by saying, the voices are humbled to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the everlasting, and it will be humbled even more when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala arrives and talks. But that's about to come very soon. We talk to each other silently. What's going to happen? Why aren't we be ju being judged? What's happening? So then in the famous hadith, it says, the people gather themselves and they remember Adam alayhi salam. So they go to Prophet Adam السلام, and said, Ya Adam, you are our father and Allah created you with his own hands. Ya Adam, ask Allah to begin the judgment. Ask Allah to begin the judgment. And he says, no, ilaykum anni, ilaykum anni. go away from me, go away from me. I disobeyed Allah by eating from the tree which he had forbidden. Allah, my Lord, is angry today like no other anger before. Go to the Prophet after me. I have no say. I can't talk. I've got to, I've got to be judged for my own thing. We go to Nuh alayhi salam. Nuh alayhi salam says the same thing. My Lord is angry today like no other time. I made a, I've used up my dua on a day of judgment and I questioned Allah briefly, innocently about my son, why he took him. I have to answer. Or he says, I am not in a position to intercede. So then we go to Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam and he says, away from me, away from me. I am afraid myself. In fact, Ibrahim says, I made up three words which were not entirely true, even though they were acceptable when he said, I am sick, leave me here. And when he said, uh, um, and when he looked up into the stars, you know the story of Ibrahim he says, although he did nothing wrong, he says, I am not the one to ask Allah. 
go to Musa, then go to Isa alayhi salam. And Isa alayhi salam says, leave me alone. I've got a lot to deal with. People have taken me as a son of God or a God. I am not the person to intercede. Go to Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And finally we reach Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he stands up and calls out, it's exactly as it says in the hadith, he will say, Ana laha, Ana laha. I am the one fit for this. I am the one fit for this. He says it out of excitement. You know why? Because he loves to save his ummah. He says it out of excitement, my dear brothers and sisters. I'm the one, I'm the one. And he uses all his energy, all his might, all his dua for what? Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Just so that we can be saved. And he, and he prostrates to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A long prostration. He says, I make dua like I've never done before. Until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to me, he comes down. We don't know how Allah comes down. But because of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he says, Yanzirullah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descends. And now I'm going to describe this descension in just a bit more detail. Rasul sallallahu stays in prostration for Allahu a'lam how long. In that time, the mercy of Allah begins to descend. The first ones that will come down are the angels. You look above you and we hear a crackling to the sky, a crackling that is terrifying. Only Allah knows what this crackling is. The entire sky above you begins to open and angels begin to descend. Groups after groups, they are more, yani the stars in the sky are more than the grains of sand on earth and the angels are more than the stars. They begin to descend light upon light, angels after angels, and they surround all the people. You see the disbelievers, when they see this happen, they start to run away. They start to run away as described in the Quran. And when they run away, what do they see? They see the angels circulating them and they tell them, go back. Where are you going? Nobody can run away. Nobody can run away. The angels that descend, the people, the mu'mineen, the believers, they go to them and they say, is our Lord among you? And they say, no, our Lord is not among us. Then another group of angels come down after third, fourth, fifth, millions. They all descend from the heavens and not one angel says a word beyond that. Some angels, they descend prostrating, sujood, from the day they were created until that day, they have never lifted their heads up. We'll get to them in a minute. They come down in sujood. And so the angels, they put their heads down and they're all humbled. Not a single word is spoken among them. Allah is about to descend. And there is no description to Allah's descension. Only He knows. Then, my dear brothers and sisters, the greatest, most magnificent, and at the same time terrifying moment comes along. Allah descends with His kursi. And His kursi is carried by eight humongous angels. Let me just quickly describe something about these angels. Rasulullah describes them by saying, they are the biggest, most hugest angels. They have between the earlobe to their shoulder, the traveling of 700 years on foot. Imagine how much you can cross 700 years just from their earlobe to their shoulder. And they carry Allah's kursi and they descend. And then Allah descends. Do we see Allah? The answer, my dear brothers and sisters, is 
Yes, everyone sees Allah, but bear with me. They do not see him in his real form, subhanahu wa ta'ala. You might think, Shaykh Bilal, what are you saying? Is this kufr? I say no to you. The hadith is in Sahih Muslim and Sahih Bukhari agreed upon. They said, Ya Rasulullah, are we going to see our Lord? And he says, yes, you will see him so clearly and nobody will have any problem. But the image that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes with, we, it is an image that everybody can relate to, but it is not the real Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And one example to give you is like when Musa alayhi salam, Allah says, Ra'a naran, he saw a fire. Remember the story? And Allah spoke to him, but the fire was a symbol. And so he would look at the fire and he would hear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speak to him. The same on the day of judgment. Obviously because the kuffar are not allowed to see Allah and on that day, it's not the time of reward for seeing Allah in His true form. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala seeing Him in Jannah is the greatest reward as in the hadith in Sahih Muslim. And also in the Quran, وَجُوهٌ يَوْمَ إِذٍ نَاظِرَ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهَا نَاظِرَ On that day, there will be bright faces looking at their Lord. This is in Jannah. As for Day of Judgment, there is a sight of Allah, but not like the one that the people see, the mu'minin see in Jannah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks. Everyone hears Allah, the Muslims and the non-Muslims. But when Allah speaks to the believers, He speaks a speech of rida, of pleasure and love and kindness and pardoning and forgiveness. But when He speaks to the kuffar and the disbelievers and the people who don't deserve it, Allah speaks to them with harshness and He speaks to them with, uh, with, with, with putting them down and He speaks to them with toughness. This is the difference between the speech of Allah with the believers and the disbelievers on the day of judgment. Then what happens, my dear brothers and sisters? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descends and he says, he, the first one he speaks to is the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu He's still in sujood and he says to him, Ya Muhammad, irfa' ra'sak, was'al tu'ta, washfa' tushaffa'. O Muhammad, lift your head up and ask for anything you'll be given and intercede, you will be given intercession. Who do you want to save? Rasulullah lifts his head up and then he begins to cry. He says, Allahumma sallim sallim. Oh Allah, please bring the peace. Bring the peace to my ummah. And then he says, Allahumma ummati ummati. Allahumma ummati ummati. My Lord, save my nation. My nation, look after them. <coughs> and Allah will say to him again, Today it's between you and me. I promise you my mercy for your ummah and you, your intercession. My dear brothers and sisters, that is when the judgment begins. No judgment has begun until now. This is where the judgment begins. There are two judgments, the first one and the second one, only for the believers. That's separate. And there is one judgment for the disbelievers, that's a third one that is separate. All of it happens in the following way. So the first judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says to everyone, go to the gods and the religion that you used to follow and worship. And so the disbelievers go to whatever they used to worship. The Christians go, the Jews grow, the atheists grow, the people who worship themselves go, they're lost, they don't know because they don't know where to go and what to do. Everybody goes looking. Whoever worshiped the sun goes to the sun. Whoever worshiped the moon goes to the moon. The only ones left on that plane 
are the believers, the Muslims who worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And among them are hypocrites and some Jews and some Christians. They're little fragments that existed and they died that didn't follow the masses, but they were Jews and Christians. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders the deeds to be displayed. That's the first judgment. The first thing that happens, my dear brothers and sisters, is that the believers, the Muslims, they will be called name by name. And this is where the greatest fear hits the believers. Allah responds by saying to the believers, لا يحزنهم الفزع الأكبر وتتلقاهم الملائكة هذا يومكم الذي كنتم توعدون On that day, the great terror will not affect the believers. Allah will bring them calm to their hearts. And angels will rush to them. Angels will rush to them. Each one of you, one by one, بإذنillah, I ask Allah to be that. And the angels grab you and hug you. And they say, no fear upon you today. This is the day you have been promised. We will not leave you alone. The angels, they come to the believers and they stay with them all the way. These are the believers who prayed their salat, fasted their month, paid their zakat. They did their hajj when they were able to. They did not make any partners with Allah. We're not talking about the other believers. Their turn is coming. So the first thing that happens, Allah calms down the true believers. And among them are believers who did bad sins, they did major sins, some of them never prayed, some of them prayed on and off, so all the people from the best to the worst are gathered. And suddenly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins to order the angels to call you one by one. Your name, son of your father's name, son of the lineage that you came from, come to Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks in a way that everybody can hear him as if you are the only one hearing him. And everyone will be in a state where you start seeing as if you are the only one being judged. Allah judges everyone at the same time, but you feel and you see you only yourself being judged. Allah can do everything. Just like now I'm talking to a screen and so many people are listening as if I'm talking to you but on your own. If human beings can do it, can you imagine what Allah can do? So my brothers and sisters in Islam, first judgment is that only the deeds are displayed to the believers. The kuffar are another story. The disbelievers are another story. They go to a place where they argue back and forth, back and forth in a day which is as long as 50,000 years. Rasulullah said for the believer, it will be like from dhuhr till asr, inshaAllah. And so Allah displays the deeds. At this point, there is no back and forth, no argumentation. You just look at your deeds being displayed the major deeds, the good deeds and the bad deeds. And this is the first sign of letting you know where you're kind of going. As the deeds are displayed, the believers will not argue. But the believers who used to do major sins in this life and died upon it, will be getting themselves ready to argue, but not yet. First of all, no one talks, you just see. After the displaying, then comes judgment number one, where the actual back and forth starts to happen between you and Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Rasul said, there isn't, every, there isn't a single one of you except that Allah will speak to them without a single interpreter. You will hear Allah and Allah will hear you and there will be no translator between you or no interpreter. Some of you, 
Allah will bring until no one can hear except you and Allah. So he doesn't expose you. These are the people who have done sins in this life among the believers, but they regretted their sins and they felt guilty about them, but they never talked about them to others. Allah will keep them a secret and he will say, my servant, do you remember when you did such and such a thing? And you will confirm. Then he'll say, what about this? You will confirm. What about that? You will confirm. That's the second judgment. That's uh, Sorry, that's the first judgment. Only confirmation. No argumentation. No back and forth. No hearing. No sentencing. Just yes, my Lord. Yes, my Lord. Yes, my Lord. And because of the shorter, shortness of time, I'll just keep it with that because there's also a huge, beautiful story with this, how different people get judged in this way. Some of them get exposed. Some of them are kept in secret. And there are beautiful stories about the last one being judged and the first one being judged. But because of the lack of time, inshallah, I'll just um, suffice with that, inshallah ta'ala. So first, the confirmations happen. Then the second thing happens. What happens? The books and records are ordered to fly. Everyone looks above them and you see the sky go dark. What's up there? Books and records. Only Allah knows what these records look like. Rasulullah called it Tatayar al-Suhuf. How the records shall be flying, literally flying. And Allah calls that in the Quran. Tatayar al-Suhuf. How the records shall be flying above you. And no one knows where they will receive their book. In their right or in their left. And a third place is behind their back. I'll tell you why. Some people receive their books in their right. Some people receive their books in their left. As the people with major sins and the disbelievers see the people receive their book in their left, angels surround them that look horrible. So they get scared. So the other people put their left arm behind their backs, but their books drop in their left hand behind their backs. And this is what Allah says in the Quran. Uh, Those who receive their book behind their back, they will start to call out crying and wailing. Why? And me? And why? And please? But Allah will not listen to them. My brothers and sisters, when the person is judged and you confirm, the books come to you. But the book is then given to you to look at. You don't receive it in your right and left yet. To look at page by page. And then if you've confirmed everything, there is no denial Rasulullah said the believer will be in that state. He says, The one who receives their book in their right are the types that will be judged an easy judgment. Aisha said, Ya Rasulullah, what do you mean? You know, if Rasulullah said, Whoever is judged shall be punished. She said, What do you mean, Ya Rasulullah? What about the ayah in the Quran that says, Whoever receives their book in their right shall be judged an easy judgment? He said, That's the people whom their actions are displayed and they just confirm. There is no argumentation because only the ones who argue are the ones who are in for it. They're either the disbelievers or the Muslims who died with terrible sins, terrible sins. They want to get out of it. So they begin to argue. And when you argue with Allah, what's going to happen? Who's right and who's wrong? Only Allah is right. So it's going to be a terrible long time for them. My brothers and sisters, when the books are received, then the one who receives the book in their right, they come out and they say to everybody, read my book, read my book. But nobody cares because everybody is worried about themselves. Wallahi, not even your son, your daughter, your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your wife, your husband, your friend, you will run away from them. You know why? Everybody is too busy. In fact, Aisha radiallahu anha said, Ya Rasulullah, I'm going to be naked. 
naked, everybody looking at me, Ya Rasulullah. He said, Ya Aisha, Al-Amr Ashaddu Min An Yanzura Ba'duhum Ila Ba'd. On that day, the matter will be so severe that people won't even tempt to look at anybody. Can you imagine that a huge fire came out, for example, in your house, you know, exploded, and everybody's running for their lives. Imagine, everybody's naked. Nobody's going to be sitting there wanting to look at others. They just want to save their lives. Can you imagine Yawm Al-Qiyamah is worse than anything anyone could ever imagine? Nobody will even have a slight desire or interest in looking at anyone else. La ilaha illallah. My brothers and sisters, then there comes the second judgment. And they are the, they are the believers, but they are the ones who have major sins. They back and forth. They argue, they argue, they argue. And the disbelievers argue and argue. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, bring me the prophets as witnesses. And they deny the prophets. He says, bring me the angels as witnesses. They deny the angels. Bring me friends. Bring me family. Bring me their mom and dad. Bring me their teachers. Bring me their friends, their children. All will gang against you for anything. And you will deny and deny. Not you, inshallah, others. They'll deny and deny. And then they'll say, who is your witness? And this is your records. And everything they'll say, I'm my only witness. So then Allah says, as He says in the Quran, on that day, the mouths shall be closed, silenced, and their hands and their feet will bear witness and speak against them. How can you deny your own body witnessing against you? These are the types of people that will suffer in the second judgment. After that, my dear brothers and sisters, you receive your book and then the scale is brought. And we shall put the scales firm in their spots on the Day of Judgment. And not a single soul shall be wronged or oppressed one tiny little atom's worth. And if it were the size of a mustard seed, we will bring it and place it on the scale, whether good or bad. Such is enough and sufficient for us to be the judges. No one can judge like that. After you receive your book, this is the first sign of good or bad. But you see, in order to be sentenced, no one knows how big or small your sentencing is. Which part of paradise you're going to go? Which part of hellfire the person's going to go? How long they're going to stay? This is sentencing. You got an indication with your book, but now it's the sentencing. What is the weight? of your good deeds and bad deeds. This will determine your level and your place. And when the deeds are placed on the scales, each one will begin to weigh heavier than the other. Whenever a bad deed is placed, it gets heavy. Then the good deed is placed, the other side gets heavier. Only Allah knows. If the heavier side are your good deeds, you, have, you are going to paradise. If the bad deeds are heavier, you are going to hell. If they are equal, then Allah has spoken about these people in Surah Al-A'raf. They are called the people of the A'raf. They will wait on a hill on the Sirat, on the bridge bestowed above hellfire. And when people pass, 
they don't know where they're going to go and in the end Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives them and lets them go to paradise as for the rest depending on how heavy your good deeds are that's your level in paradise how heavy the bad deeds are that's the level in hellfire and so my dear brothers and sisters even Muslims will lose on that scale but no Muslim will stay in hellfire forever we're going to get to that very very shortly after the scale my dear brothers and sisters there's a hadith that says that your body is placed on the scale this is your worth who you are no matter how a person could weigh a lot but they're not going to weigh that much if their bad deeds are like that and they could be could be a very skinny and you will weigh as much as a mountain because of your good deeds Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes you yourself your value heavy so those deeds that you did they are weighed for their values I'll give you just a quick example let's say somebody prayed night prayers throughout Ramadan and they did it and they never slept for example that's a huge task that will be brought on a day of judgment if the person did it only to show it off then that deed will not weigh anything on the day of judgment but if you did it truly out of Iman and wanting the rewards then it will be heavy on the scale let's say a woman enters paradise because she gave a dog water to drink such a small deed but it is heavy on the scale because of the intention that was behind it and another woman entered hellfire because she trapped a cat that died subhanallah to us it may be a small bad deed but because of what's behind it it's heavy of a bad deed on the scale you see brothers and sisters the more sincere we are on our deeds the heavier and more valuable they are that's also another lecture on its own let's move on from the scales you've passed the scales Allah samah Allah God forbid you failed the good the, the believers the angels are with them you know the ones that were that died with you know true believers the angels are calming them and saying don't worry don't worry don't worry they never leave you alone subhanallah and so then suddenly something happens after the scales everything is known the sentencing happens Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders that all the people be divided the believers everyone goes with the ones who are similar to them the disbelievers even among them for example the priests they are gathered with the priests their scholars are gathered with their scholars the atheists are gathered with the atheists among the believers same thing if you followed an ideology be gathered with the ideology the people who are believed Muslims but they try to uh, justify certain acts in their in, in in their religion then they will be gathered with those who tried to justify those who wanted uh, only a portion of their deen and they were lazy with the other portion they'll be gathered with the people who are like them everybody Allah puts you exactly with who you're supposed to be with because of the records you've received them the judgment has happened and the scales have determined where you belong some people are gathered with their prophets Allah says on that day every nation will be called with their Imam with their leaders so for example let's say on social media somebody comes up and gives their own version of how to practice Islam I'm not saying they become disbelievers but let's say they water the deen down a little bit and then you find people following them in that same way right Allah says that's their leader and on the day of judgment they'll be gathered with them whatever they receive you will receive so my dear brothers and sisters Rasulullah said do not be copycats if people do good you do good if they do bad avoid their bad don't and the only role model is who Muhammad and the scholars after him and the true believers after them my dear brothers and sisters everybody is now categorized and everyone will now have to cross the bridge above hellfire group by group according to the amount of light that you have the disbelievers are way behind and now comes this amazing hadith listen to it Rasulullah said then hellfire is brought in the beginning hellfire will look like a mirage at a distance 
those groups of people among them, they were hypocrites, Muslims, and Jews and Christians that I mentioned before. Allah will come to them in a different form. Sorry, in the, in the, uh, in the same form that they saw him when they were being judged. And he says, what are you Jews and Christians doing here? Why didn't you go? They say, we're thirsty. And Allah will say to them, you go to that, to that water over there. It looks like a mirage and drink from there. They go there and there is a bridge over. It's actually hellfire and they will start falling into hellfire altogether. Then the Muslims are left with the hypocrites among them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes and comes back in a different form. And they say, he says, why are you still here? They say, we will not move until we see our Lord. And he will say to them, I am your Lord. And they say, La wallah, our Lord is not like that. Muhammad sallallahu and the prophets will be speaking to us. And they will say, our Lord will come looking like this. And this hadith is inside Muslim and Bukhari. And then Allah comes back. He says, how do you know your Lord? What is the sign? They said, we know our Lord from something called Asaq. Shin, literally means shin. But only Allah knows the reality of that. Allah says, يَوْمَ يُكْشَفُ عَنْ سَاقٍ وَيُدْعَوْنَ إِلَى السُّجُودِ On that day, a shin will be unveiled and they will be called to prostrate. The hypocrites, this is where they will be known. Their backs will be made into steel and they cannot prostrate. Every other believer prostrates, even if they were sinful, even if they hardly prayed. All the believers who never made partners with Allah once in their life and they died upon it, even if they have major sins, you will be able to prostrate behind Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and each prophet with their own nations who followed them. And then Rasulullah will lift his head up and Allah will say to him, Ask, Ya Rasulullah, ask. And he will go upon the Sirat, the Sirat, the bridges bestowed above Hellfire. Hellfire is now brought closer with 70,000 chains. On each chain, there are 70,000 angels dragging Hellfire along. And the angels rush to the true believers. And Allah says, they move their faces away from the fire. This is in the Quran. They move their faces away from the fire. And the people are looking from the corner of their eyes at Hellfire. Audhu billah, wallahi, the, the, the image is, 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 is absolutely terrifying. When Hellfire is brought and it's breathing like a roaring, uh, vicious beast that no one's ever heard before, everybody gets afraid to the point where Ibrahim alayhi salam, Ibrahim alayhi salam, will fall to his knees and he will cry out screaming, Allahumma sallim, Allahumma sallim. Oh Allah, please, peace, peace. And Rasulullah Muhammad sallallahu will be courageous because he knows this is his day. He will go and stand on the Sirat and will lift his arms up saying, Allahumma ummati ummati. Oh my Lord, my nation, my nation. Allahu Akbar. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders for the Ummah of the Prophet to cross the Sirat. The ones who have the greatest light will cross first like the speed of sight. Others will cross like the speed of light. Others like the speed of a galloping horse. Others like the speed of running. Others like walking. And others habwan, meaning they are crawling. And then in the hadith it says, which is in Bukhari and Muslim, some of the Muslims, their light will run out and they will stop halfway. And people behind them will start to gather behind them and gang up, you know, like crowds on top of each other because it becomes absolutely dark. They don't know their way. The sirat is full of thorns, full of claws, full of Allahu Akbar. And they will start dropping into hellfire, the Muslims. 
as they drop, some of them reach their ankles, some of them reach their knees. It's like there's lava and there's, uh, uh, there's uranium and there's uh, fire and there's uh, steel. It's a whole world. Jannam is a world of everything's hot, but... And they fall into it. Some of them start to sink. Some of them up to their knees, some of them up to their hips, some of them they start to sink up to their shoulders. Little bit by little bit. Only Allah knows how long they'll be there according to the deeds and bad deeds which they have done. Usually people who follow the ones who died with major sins that have not been forgiven. People who used to pray on and off. People who didn't pray. People who broke their fast. People who did these things. And some of them will immerse deep into hellfire so they will not be seen. Rasulullah said, when the true believers pass the Sirat very quickly and they are safe after the Sirat, what do they remember? That is when they remember their Muslim family, their Muslim friends, their Muslim brothers and sisters. And they turn around and Rasulullah says, Wallahi, they will call out to Allah, these true servants of, of Allah, they will call out to Allah more than any of you would call out standing before a judge about to be sentenced to death. They will say, Oh Allah, we know so-and-so, they'll name you by your name. We know Muhammad, Fatima, Aisha, Safiya, Bilal. They used to be with us in the mosque. Wallahi, Ya Rabb, we saw them pray with us, you know, that prayer one day. Wallahi, Ya Rabb, we had a charity event and they were with us. Wallahi, Ya Rabb, I saw them visit a sick person with us. Wallahi, they'll try to remember anything they can for you to ask Allah to save you because of it from hellfire. And then Allah says to these true believers, go with my angels and take out of hellfire those who you recognize from your friends and family. You go there and you start telling the angels, this person, that person, the angel starts saving them. There's a hadith where he says that the angels carry them like the way you carry luggage on your shoulders and under your arms, groups by groups, and they throw them on the other side of the sirat until Allah says, who else is there? And they say, Ya Rabb, we can't see the others. And then Allah says, now go. Their time has come and take out of hellfire anyone you know who had a coin's worth of good deeds in their life. And if you can remember a coin's worth of good deeds, anything, a smile, a salam, go and take them out of there. And the angels take them out of there. Some of them have been immersed to their hips, for example, and the angels take them out. Then there are others. Allah says, who else is left? They say, Ya Rabbi, we can't find the others. Allah says, go now and take anyone who's got half of a coin's worth of good deeds. They go and they recognize, they take them out. How do they recognize them, my dear brothers and sisters? From their faces. The face of the believer does not burn in hellfire. Why? Because they used to pray even on and off. Allahu alam, how long they'll be in hellfire for? May Allah save us from it. But even those who prayed on and off, the fire will not touch your forehead and your face. That's how much salat will protect you. So hold on to your salat, my dear brothers and sisters. Until there is no one left that they know, then Allah says, who else is there? And then they say, Ya Rabb, there's no one else we can recognize. There are the believers who are in hellfire, who have gone. Qadim Tuhishu, Rasulullah says, they have burnt altogether from top to bottom. So Allah then says to the angels, go and take out anyone who has an atom's worth of good deeds in their life. The angels know who they are and they take them out of the fire and they are dead, dead. You might be asking, what? People die in hellfire? I thought Allah says in there they will never live and never die. Yes, the only ones who will never live and never die in hellfire are the disbelievers who will stay in there forever. But these believers, they will burn as long as they deserve because of what they did. And then Allah makes them die so they don't feel anything anymore. And they wait. 
for the angels to take him out, the shafa'a of Muhammad to take him out, and the shafa'a of all the believers. Then Allah says, the prophets have done their shafa'a, the believers have done their shafa'a, the angels have done their shafa'a, and now the only shafa'a left is mine. Rabbul Alameen. Rasulullah says he takes a scoop, or he called it qabda, a handful. Only Allah knows how big this handful and scoop is, and he takes out of hellfire anyone who had an atom's worth of good deeds in their life. These are people who died with tawheed, but they probably, you know, they, they lacked a lot and they died with major sins, and they will have one spot on their forehead that will not burn. My question is, my dear brothers and sisters, and the scholars got terrified. They don't know the answer to this. They said, if we know that everybody comes out of hellfire who believed in Allah and didn't die with shirk, then what do we say about those who cannot be recognized because they never prayed? Because if they didn't pray, they'll burn altogether. And some scholars says, well, Allah will save those who didn't pray after a long time. They will be placed into Jannah, into a river, which they will grow back. And Allah subhanahu says they will look like pearls. And they will have necklaces around their necks that say, The ones who were saved by Allah from the fire. That's another story. And all I can say to you now is finally from the day of judgment, the people of Jannah are in Jannah. The people of Hellfire are in Hellfire. And Jannah's doors will not be closed until the last person enters it. But that's another story. The last man that will enter paradise. He's got a beautiful story. Maybe one day we'll talk about it. And then the doors of Jannah are closed and the doors of Hellfire are closed. This is after a long time when ev everything is done. And then the angel, an angel comes, I think is Angel Malak Al-Maut. He stands on the Sirat in between Jannah and Jahannam. And then he calls out to the people of Jannah, Ya Ahlal Jannah. People of Jannah, they go, what? Are we going to come out again? This is not good news. And then they call out, Ya Ahlal Nar. Oh, the people of Hellfire and the people of Hellfire, or it could be Allah who calls out. The people of Hellfire, they think we're, we're probably going to come out. Maybe there's a chance, you know. And then they find the angel of death with a ram. The ram, the, the color of the ram is, as, is, is very dark black. And he says, this is death. Now, the color black does not mean anything, my dear brothers and sisters. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, he, he doesn't distinguish. Islam is not racism, but this is the color of the ram. And he says, this is death. This is death. And then he slaughters the ram and he says, there is no more death, O people of paradise, eternity, you will never die. And O people of hellfire, eternity, you will never die. My brothers and sisters, my time is up. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us Jannah and not let us see even one tiny bit of harm or terror from hellfire. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us among those whom the angels will come and grab you and us. And may Allah subhanahu wa have his mercy upon us on that day and not expose us and forgive our sins and pardon us. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen. Thank you for listening. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalamu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakum wa khairan shaykh bilal. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala resurrect us all together with the Prophet Muhammad in his house. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Amin. Let's take a couple of uh, questions and we don't have too much time, so we're only going to take a couple. Um, when are we raised to the heavens? Yeah, Akhil Karim. Oh, we don't know. First of all, 
the books are given on earth. The judgment is on earth. The scale is on earth and the sirat is on earth. Even hellfire will be brought to earth. Once you cross the sirat, that's when you are raised to Jannah. After the sirat, after the sirat, after the bridge bestowed above hellfire, the people of Jannah go to Jannah. Wherever Jannah is, they are raised and gone to it. But before you go to Jannah, that's another story. Before you go to Jannah, you're placed in a plane. Rasulullah said in a huge plane, like waiting. And that's when the shafa'ahs are happening and everything. And then Allah you know, takes the angel, says, take so-and-so now, take so-and-so now, take so-and-so now. So they're still waiting. And the other angels, they bring uh, wine from paradise for the people who are waiting. Because now you're waiting in a row. Not everybody enters straight away after the sirat. You're still waiting a little bit. But that waiting over there is like, have you ever been on, on first class on, or business class, for example, on an aeroplane? And you go into a special waiting place. You don't have to wait outside tired. And they, you know, they give you a massage chair and they give you uh, drinks and things like that. Well, that's a preliminary thing before you go into your business class on the aeroplane. And Allah lets the people after the sirat sit in a first class place. The angels come, they keep you company, they bring you food, they bring you wine. Actually, they bring you wine from Zanjabil, ginger and wine to quench your thirst with it. They calm you down, you're in shade. You're actually living in a semi-paradise. And that's why people start to remember their brothers and sisters and their families. Then the first people who will go to paradise to the doors are the poor people of the Muhajirin. Then the poor people of the Ansar and then the poor people of the Ummah. As for the rich people, and I actually didn't talk about this because of lack of time. Over there, right after the Sirat, one more judgment happens. But this judgment is nothing like the others. This is a kind and reconciliation judgment. It's a reconciliation judgment. Allah subhanahu wa brings those believers who are now going to paradise. And you've got to wait there to do what? Allah wants to reconcile between the believers if they've hurt each other and harmed each other in this world. You know, for example, you and I, Akhi Bakr, we love each other in everything, but I may have harmed you in some way. Maybe I borrowed something from you, I didn't give it back. By the way, the worst judgment, there's three types of judgments. The judgment of the disbelievers, the judgment of the believers, which is split into two, the easy judgment and the harsh judgment. And the, and the third judgment is the judgment between people. That's very harsh. That's when your good deeds are taken and, and their bad sins are given to you. And then there is a fourth judgment, the judgment between the animals. And then there is a fifth judgment between the humans and the animals. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. And then the sixth judgment is after the Sirat, and that's the kind reconciliation judgment. Allah makes it up between all the believers you know, look, Ya Bakr, forgive Bilal. Bilal, you forgive Bakr. No, I don't want to forgive Bakr. Allah then says, okay, what about if I give you this and I give you that? So, oh, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. What about you, Ya Bakr? Forgive Fatima. Fatima says, I don't want to forgive him. He, he treated me bad. And Allah says, Tayyib, Ya Fatima, I will give you this and I will give you that. And she says, oh, that's enough, that's beautiful. And nobody enters Jannah until all your hearts, all your grudges, all your whatever you had, those minor things between believers are gone. And this is indication, another hope that we're human beings and Allah will hide those grudges that we had between each other, you know, believers who pray and do everything. But on the day of judgment, after the Sirat, Allah makes sure that you forgive each other. And this is where those extra gifts are given. And this is the meaning of the verse in the Quran where he says, uh, 
Allah says on that day before you enter paradise, we take out all the negativities from your chests, whatever you had against each other, those minor things that you still had between the believers, you know, that, that Allah wants you to enter paradise, but there's still things between you. So he reconciles and you become brothers and sisters when you enter paradise. Nobody has anything against anyone else. So that's why we stay a little bit after the Sirat, bit by bit, people are raised. Now that, Ya Akhi Bakr, only Allah knows how long that is. There's no specific time, each one according to their merit. I hope that answers the question. And I'll forgive you from now, Shaykh, inshaAllah. You sure? Because you know on the Day of Judgment, you're going to change your mind. This is now witness. On the Day of Judgment, Allah says, You'll run away from your own mothers and fathers. Everybody bear witness. Bakr has forgiven me. I don't know what for. I don't know what I've done to him, but he's forgiven me. <laughs> and I forgive you too, Ya Habibi. Allah barik fiq. For anything that we've forgotten about. Ya Allah, alhamdulillah. Moving on to the next question. Uh, there's two questions that are similar. Um, how can we keep ourselves reminding ourselves of the hereafter always? And how we can prepare ourselves for that day. So I'm combining those into one question. Wallah, ya akhi, how do you prepare yourself is a huge... When can I start? Where can I end? I'm going to tell you the minimum, inshallah. Number one. Number one. Every day, recite the Quran. Even if it's for 10 minutes. But when I say recite, try to understand what it's saying. Connect with it. It's called tadabbur. Which means to try and see the message behind the verses. If you don't know Arabic... Get a translation, interpretation, try to go through it. And when you come past the surah that talks about your character or something that you need to change about yourself, write it down or remember it and say, I'm going to work on that. If you keep doing that all your life, even if you make mistakes, Wallahi, the Quran will save you on the Day of Judgment. Wallahi Azim. Number two, the minimum any believer must do to enter paradise and not be touched by the fire at all are the following. Number one, to have Tawheed in your heart, your tongue, and your action, and never make partners with Allah in your worship or your acts. That's number one. If you do, repent, but don't die on it. Number two, your five daily prayers. Do not leave a single prayer out. Your Fajr, Dhuhr, Asr, Maghrib, Isha. Never leave them out. If you do, repent. Because the first thing you're going to be asked, I didn't mention this. You know that, uh, that second judgment for the believers? There's the easy judgment and the hard, hard judgment. The hard judgment are for the believers who did major sins, such as um, leaving out prayers. And Rasulullah said, the first thing Allah will judge you about is your salat. If it is good, whatever comes after it is better. And if it is bad, whatever comes after it is going to be worse. So your salat, your five daily prayers. Number three is your zakat. Zakat al-fitr, zakat al-mal. Number four, fasting Ramadan. And number five, hajj, whoever is able to do so. Number six, Avoid the major sins. Disrespecting your parents continuously. Obsessive lying. Obsessive uh, looking at things that are haram. Obsessively. Yani, there's a difference between a uh, few times of bad habits, uh, bad things. And there's a difference between people who are obsessive over things that are haram. The rights of people. Give it back. And if there are any major sins, constantly every day. Ask Allah to forgive you for your major sins. And insha'Allah, you will be free to go into paradise without any adab, insha'Allah ta'ala. The seven, the seven pillars of Iman, the beliefs, that's okay, to believe in Allah and His Messenger and His books and His angels and the hereafter and the, and the Yawm Al-Qiyamah and the Qadr. 
and then the five pillars of Islam and avoid the major sins. If you fall into them, repent. And inshallah, nothing will happen to you. Inshallah, Jazakumullah Khan Sheikh for answering uh, all those questions. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote you. The brothers from Murtaqi uh, have prepared a gift for you. And uh, they have planted a tree on behalf of you in Palestine. From what I understand, an olive tree on behalf of yourself in Palestine. You gifted an olive tree uh, to a family in need. You've gifted it. Olive trees are the main source of livelihood for over a million Palestinians and can provide food, oil and medicine for hundreds of years. Jazakumullah khairan. If Sheikh Bilal has nothing else to say, uh, please. Uh, close. I just want to thank you, Jazakumullah khairan, all of you for this extraordinary gift. I can't get any gift more beautiful than that. But I would like to please just one more intention for me. Allah Make the intention this tree on my behalf and on behalf of my beloved son and brother Allah. Just the intention. I don't want any name on the tree or anything. Barakallahu fikum. May Allah reward you. Thank you so much. Amin Ya Rab. Thank you for having me. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.